podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 10. Do you guys still read your Bibles? Yes? Good. Don't answer that question. I know you guys haven't been reading your Bibles the past three months. Neither have I. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I feel like there's way more important. I just, once I get to the Bible, then I start saying important things. So we need to just keep me in that space. We need somebody else to do announcements from now on. Maybe we should pray. That would help. That's always, that always a good transition. Lord Jesus, thank you for the ministry of joy, Lord. Thank you for your presence that is here in this place and that you are speaking to every single one of us in unique and powerful ways. And Father, we would pray today especially for the grace to hear and the grace to see, the grace of revelation. And Father, I'm praying today that, um, that you would just constrain me so that anything and everything that I speak are only the words of God in the way that you want them communicated today. And that the word would be life and revelation and truth to us that brings transformation and freedom and joy. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 10. So, Leon, I'm going to need you to sit closer because you were really revving me up last service, man. <laughs> He's like, I'm on security, dude. So I just need you to be louder. Okay, Acts chapter 10 is perhaps one of the most important chapters of the entire New Testament. Don't you love that? Like barring the crucifixion and the resurrection, that's a really, really bold statement to make, but it is. Acts chapter 10 is critical to our faith, you guys, and here's why. Because if Acts chapter 10 does not happen, every one of us are not sitting here in this room today. If Acts chapter 10 doesn't happen, the gospel remains for the Jewish people. And all of, and most of us, any Jews in the house? Uh, most of us, awesome brother. So for the rest of us, pagan Gentiles, um, we wouldn't get to hear the gospel because of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is critical. And if it's not for the entire New Testament, definitely for the book of Acts. In fact, the storyline of what's happening in Acts chapter 10 or in Acts chapters one through 10 is cruising along all of the focus is on the church of Jerusalem. All of the focus is on the new church that Jesus died and resurrected for and birthed into the earth. And then in Acts chapter 10, going into Acts chapter 13, these three verses, everything begins to take a very sharp turn towards the preaching of the gospel towards the Gentiles and ultimately the rest of the world. So in the beginning of Acts chapter 10, there's a Roman centurion by the name of, anybody? Cornelius, okay? Cornelius is a Roman. He's a soldier. He's of the same rank of people that crucified Jesus. He, he, is, he belongs to the people that are in power. Just think about this. And yet, there's this grace on Cornelius' life because he's considered a God-fearer. And in the New Testament, a Gentile God-fearer is someone that has a sense of sympathy towards the Judaish, the Judaish, the Judea, Judea, Judaism. <laughs> Um, the Judaistic religion, which is Judaism, right? So Cornelius gets a hold of the teachings of Judaism, and he's inclined towards the teachings of Judaism. And so Cornelius is considered a God-fearer because Cornelius does two things. He prays to God every day, even though he doesn't know Jesus. 
and he gives offerings to the poor. And one day during his time of prayer, there's an angel that shows up. And the angel is straight from God because of all of the similarities that happen when angels would show up to the Jewish people throughout all of Old Testament history. He's shining in bright light. He speaks the word of the Lord. And Cornelius immediately recognizes there's something different about this prayer time right now. And the angel says to Cornelius, your prayers have gone up as a memorial before God. He has seen you. He's proud of you. You've been faithful. But there's something that you're missing. And I need you to send for a guy named Peter. So Simon Peter is staying with a guy named Simon the Tanner in a town named Joppa. And that town's about a day and a half to two days away. So the angel says, you need to talk with Peter because Peter's got something very, very important for you to hear. All of this has been wonderful, but you're missing something really, really important. Okay, let's pick up the story here in Acts chapter 10. And we're going to begin with verse 9. And I'm going to read from nine till about 20 or so. At about noon the following day, as they were on their journey, so this delegation that sent from Cornelius, they're on their way. And while they're on their way, on the other side, I love those movies where like, you're seeing what's happening in one scene, and then at the exact same time, you're seeing what's happening in another location with another group of people. That's what's happening right here. So these guys, they're traveling towards Peter. You know, the angel just showed up. And then Peter's part of the story comes into focus right here. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, city Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He must have been pretty hungry. (laughs) He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill And eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. What's what is he referring to right here? Anybody know? Anybody knows what's happening? Yeah, Jewish law dictated that there were certain kinds of foods that were off limits for the Jewish people because they were unclean. Pigs, okay, shrimp. And man, thank God, for, thank God for Christ coming and dying and resurrecting and abolishing the law because I love me some shrimp, all right? And bacon, yeah. Yes, shrimp wrapped in bacon. Thank you very much. It would, see, I told you Acts 10 was one of the most important chapters of the Bible, right? No shrimp wrapped bacon if it were not for Acts chapter 10. So Peter is so steeped in Judaism. We gotta understand this, you guys, and I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna talk about this all message long. We have to understand that that Peter is so steeped in Judaism. It's what he was born into. It's what he was taught his entire life. He was taught the law like every good Jewish young man was taught the law. Every Jewish young man before they reached 13 was required to memorize the first five books of the Bible. And I don't know about you guys, if you've not looked at Leviticus, that is an extremely challenging thing to do. But they did it. And they would write the scriptures down by hand. And so he was steeped in this Jewish understanding. And so when this vision comes and it says, hey, get up and kill these amazing animals that Pastor Jay loves to eat so much. Eat them. They're, they're, they're delicious. They're good. Peter's like, absolutely not. I'm a good Jewish man. Absolutely not. And then there's this voice that comes and it says, do not call impure what I have called unclean. It's a very important phrase. Do not call impure what I have called clean. 
Do not call impure what I have called clean. How many times does this happen? Anybody know? It happens three times. Three times this vision comes down. Look at verse 15. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made, uncle- that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, don't you think you would do the same thing? If you got thrown into a trance and you were hungry, the time of prayer, and three times the same vision pops up in your psyche, in your spirit, in your consciousness, three times the same profound vision with the same directive from the voice of heaven comes, don't you think you'd be thinking about that a little bit? Yeah, so Peter is thinking about this. He was wondering about the meaning. And then, boom, 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 he gets a knock on the door. The delegation has arrived. The men sent from Cornelius' house found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there, while Peter was still thinking about the vision. So first he's wondering about it, now he's thinking about it. And then, look at this, Spirit of God speaks to him. Now this is amazing to me. Because Peter hears from the Spirit. Look, it's your Bible, you see that? While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. That's incredible. Peter hears from the Spirit of God. Peter's a man who's filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, preaches about the Spirit with the Spirit, and he hears from the Spirit. And I don't know about you, man, if if a couple of strangers arrived at my house and they were like, hey, I need you to take a two days journey, just come with me. Don't, don't ask any questions, just come. I mean, I would need to know, the Spirit of God would need to speak to me in order for me to know that I'm supposed to take this journey. So Peter hears from the Spirit. We can all agree on that. Yes and amen? All right. So Peter ends up taking this journey, and this journey, like I said before, is a two-day journey. So what do you think Peter's doing on this journey? Man, he's just thinking about that vision. He's just thinking about that vision for almost 48 hours. God, what was that? What did that mean? What were you doing? Why was that important? He shows up at Cornelius' house. And as soon as he enters into Cornelius' house, remember, this guy is a soldier. Probably has about 100 soldiers under his command. This guy's a man of authority. He's a man of privilege and position. Cornelius throws himself at Peter's feet. Peter says, dude, 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 get up, get up, man. Dude, don't worship me. I'm just a man just like you are. And then the first thing out of Peter's mouth, you know what he says? He says, bro, you know I'm not supposed to be here, right? He's like, I'm a Jewish man, you're a Gentile. And it's wrong. It's against the law. It's against our law. It's against our custom for me to be here. I'm not allowed to associate with you kind. My kind are not allowed to associate with your kind. That's essentially what Peter was saying right there. And then he says, okay, so since you got me here, and I've walked 48 hours to get here, What you got? Why am I here? So Cornelius proceeds to tell him the vision. Man, there's an angel that showed up to me, showed up to me just like he showed up to you guys. He's like, I've read all the scriptures. And, you know, there's a guy in flashing light. He speaks the word of the Lord to me, and he says that you've got something to say to me. And then Peter begins thinking, okay, wait a minute. Hold on. You guys got a vision from God just like we guys do. What's going on here? Now look at verse 34. After Cornelius shares with him that he receives a vision from God, Peter begins thinking, and he comes to this revelation right here, verse 34. He says, now, uh, Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. 
Guys, I need you to sit, I just, all service long, I'm going to be saying this to you. I need you to think about this. Wait a minute, Peter. I, I, just, I just need to get into Peter's world a little bit. Can you guys get into Peter's world with me? I need to get like Mr. Rogers. I'm going to get all up in Peter's neighborhood today. Because Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, right? Peter has up close and personal access to the teachings of Jesus, okay? Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. He only brings three people in there. Who's in there with him? Peter. It's okay. You guys can talk to me today. All right, Jesus goes up onto the mountain and when Jesus goes up onto the mountain, Jesus is transfigured and then Elijah shows up and Moses shows up. There's only three guys with him. Who's with him? Peter, right? Peter is not some new believer. Peter is not some guy who doesn't know who Jesus is. Peter, how do you not get this? Do you guys know when Acts chapter 10 took place, roughly? Anybody know? About 10 years after Pentecost. About 10 years after Pentecost. So I gotta, I gotta just build this story out for you. So three years prior to Pentecost, Peter is on a three-year intensive internship with Jesus, the Son of God, right? He's got direct and personal access to the professor. And Jesus is just breaking wisdom down, man. He's just breaking revelation down. He's explaining the mysteries of the kingdom. And Peter's on the front row. And one of Jesus' most important messages is this. I've come to the Jewish people to help them understand that salvation is not just for the Jews. It is for all people. Like that was Jesus' predominant message. The kingdom of God has come. It's not just for the people of Israel. It is for all people. I mean, you just read through the Gospels and you begin to see that over and over and over again. But remember, Peter is a Jew and Peter is a good Jew and Peter is steeped in the air of Judaism. It's the air he breathes. It's the water he drinks. It's the sea that he swims in. He's such a good Jew. He doesn't realize that being such a good Jew actually makes him a bad Christian. He's such a good Jew that he doesn't even realize that being a great Jew is actually making him a bad Christian. It's making him a bad follower of Christ. What else do we know about Peter? Anybody knows what happens on Acts chapter two? Anybody, any takers? Acts chapter two? Come on, you guys, we're charismatics. You need to know what Acts chapter two is. Pentecost was two weeks ago, guys. Okay, yeah. Spirit of God comes and baptizes the entire church. 120 people in an upper room praying, seeking God. And the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes the church, actually births the church into existence. And you know who stands up when everybody's like, you guys are all drunk, and who stands up? Come on, say, Peter. Peter stands up, and he begins to preach, and he begins to prophesy, and he begins to refer to the scriptures, and he preaches off of this amazing passage in Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 says something incredible. What does Joel chapter 2 say? Joel chapter 2 says, in the end times, in the last days, the Spirit of God will be poured out on who? All flesh. On your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams, and they'll have visions. But think about that phrase there where it says, Peter says this out of his own mouth, you guys. All flesh, all flesh. Out of his own mouth, he is preaching the gospel and preaching the prophets, and he doesn't even realize what he's preaching. Why do I know that? Because 10 years later, Peter is standing in a room and his opening sentence is, I'm not supposed to be here. 10 years later, he, he needs to be thrown into a trance 
Because why did he need to be thrown into a trance? Think about this. Think about this. Peter can hear the spirit, but there are things that are built into his mindset and his belief system and his worldview and his paradigm and the way that he views the world. And they're so deep inside of him that God's got to throw his butt at a trance in order to speak to him. You know what happens when something's so deep inside of you? When something is so deep inside of you that it becomes your paradigm. When it's so deep inside of you that it becomes the way that you view the entire world and God and yourself, and it becomes the way that you view social structures and systems. When it's so deep inside of you, you begin to interpret everything around that. So that when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, baptized in the spirit, this is a big deal. And he said that the spirit we poured out on all flesh. Do you know how this Jew interpreted that? Anybody? Thank you. Here's Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, followed the master in an intense discipleship time for three years and heard the same message over and over and over and over again. It reminds me of myself sometimes. Anybody feel like that? Like we think Peter is a hard-headed guy. I mean, just as a kid, just constantly, man, how long is it going to take you to get some of these lessons, dude? I'm telling you, that was me. It still is. We always tend to think that other people are more hard-headed than we are. God, if they could just be a little bit more quick to catch on to things like I am. And Peter here is 10 years later going, holy, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean when I said and that and he, oh, wow. I mean, look at the verse again. Peter then realized how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Where did that get inside of him, guys? Think about it. Where did that get inside of him? Like, I don't know. I wasn't there, but I, I seriously doubt that Peter's Jewish grandpa sat him down and said, come here, son, sit up on my lap. I'm going to teach you the way that this happens. Peter, I want you to know that you're a Jew and you're special and you're favored and all those other people, man, they're not. And you're amazing and you deserve all of these things. But all those other people, they don't. Like, I seriously doubt that Peter's dad or his mom sat down and explicitly said to him, you're going to be a man of privileged position and power for the rest of your life, and it's okay that nobody else is. I think what happened is, is that they were just built into an ecosystem. They were built into a Judaistic ecosystem where everybody they talked to were exactly like themselves. Everybody they listened to said exactly what they wanted to hear. And then over a course of time, this becomes your way of life. This becomes the way that you see all of the world. And it takes God saying, I've got to work some things out of you. I've got to work some of this stuff out of you. I've got to deconstruct some of these walls. I've got to, I've got to tear down some of the, the, the glasses from which you view all of life. So I've got to throw you into a trance. And I've got to communicate with you in a different way. You know, one of the most powerful things about dreams and visions is they're communicated in the abstract, right? They're communicated in the abstract, so it gets us to see the same thing in a different vantage point, where we go, wait a minute, because if God would have said, Peter, I want you to know to stop calling impure those things I've called clean, Peter would go, yes, God, all of us Jewish people are clean. You're right. No, 
So I've got, to, I've got to show you this in a different way in order for you to interact with this in a new way, in order for you to see life in a different way so that you can keep moving with me. Otherwise, Peter, you're going to get stuck and you're going to become more of a detriment to my kingdom than a good. I now realize that God does not show favoritism. I now realize that God does not show favoritism. I want you to think about the weight and the gravity of this, you guys. This is 10 years that Peter is a xenophobe. 10 years. 10 years that Peter's a racist. 10 years. And he's walking in power. Do you know what happens right before Acts chapter 10? Anybody? Read it in your Bible. Peter's shadow is falling on people and they're getting healed. And he's a racist. Peter's preaching and fire is falling and he's a racist. Peter's walking in wisdom. He's making decisions. He's talking to apostles. He's, 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 he's doing incredible things for the birth of the church. And he is a xenophobic racist. It's so deep in his bones. He doesn't even know it's there. I guarantee you between Acts chapter one and ver- Acts chapter one and Acts chapter 10, if you would say, Peter, you're a racist. He'd go, absolutely not, I'm not. Why does God have to cause you to fall asleep to say things to you that you, he's been saying to you all along? And Peter's preaching. See, guys, we can say things and we can write things and we can, we can repost things and we can believe that we understand what it, is, what it is that we're saying, but Peter is actually preaching things that he still doesn't have revelation of. Because revelation's grace. It's a gift. It only comes by gift, you guys. So let me break down a couple of thoughts here for us to pay attention to. Number one, if you're taking notes, anybody taking notes today? All hands should rise really high in the sky. Awesome, very good. In your notepads, and your iPads, in your phones. Izzy, I want you to go sit over here, buddy. Come sit over here. Give mommy a break. Thanks, man. I get to do that because this is kind of a laid back service. Okay. Um, number one, write this down. The journey of Christian maturity is a lifetime of responding to revelation. The journey of Christian maturity is a lifetime of responding to revelation. There's so much inside of that, you guys. Listen, if we're not careful, here's what happens. And it happens to all of us. And we don't realize that it happens, but we get so comfortable and familiar with the system of Christianity. We've heard all the messages before. We've read all the commentaries. We listen to the certain podcasts that we like to listen to. We turn our favorite people on to YouTube and we get to a place where we say, oh, I've heard, I know this, I know this. I know exactly where Pastor Jade's going. Acts chapter two, of course, this is the most important chapter of all the new times. Like I've said, I've heard this before. I've sat under his ministry all these years. Listen, Christian maturity is not just about knowledge accumulation. Christian maturity is not just about knowing the right things or being able to win an argument. Christian maturity is about responding to the grace of revelation when God brings it to you. It's not about walking in the power gifts as much as I love the power gifts. Remember, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter hears from the Spirit. One of Jonathan's favorite passages is when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Right? Oh, I don't know why he knows. And Peter goes, I know who you are. You're the son of God. Duh. Right? And Jesus goes, yes. Very good. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father by his spirit has revealed this to your spirit. Clearly, Peter has a knack for revelation. He can hear the spirit of God. 
He has a knack for this. You know what the problem is? Not revelation, interpretation. Do you know why? Because Peter takes the gold star of revelation and then he runs it through the grid of his own human interpretation. Because when Jesus says, guys, I'm about, I mean, like literally the next interchange, Jesus says, guys, I'm about to go lay my life down. And Peter goes, come here, dude, come here, come here, bro. I rebuke you. I rebuke you, son of God. <laughs> like, I, I like, every time I think about this, the scene, it just, it's like different in my head each time. Can you imagine rebuking the son of God? <laughs> they should put that on his epitaph. Here lies Peter, the man who rebuked the son of God. God's name are you rebuking God we do it all the time because we capture some sense of revelation and we go oh I know exactly what that means right remember 2020 come on guys all the prophetic fanfare around 2020 come on come on don't be shy now everybody's like pulling into your closets now like you're like I don't I I didn't do any of that I I never heard any of that 2020 is the year of what vision Right? Yeah, we're prophetic people. We have the word of the Lord. And is it possible that we interpreted that as, you know, we're going to have greater vision, visions of grandeur and visions of success and visions of greatness and, you know, and God's saying, no, I'm going to show you what's inside of you, America. I'm going to show you what's inside of you. Yeah, one little invisible virus comes and you guys are gone. You're done. We should open. We should close. We should open. I hate you. What? 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 Well, yeah, let me give you some vision. Let me give you some vision. A black man dies under the name of a police officer and it, and it causes amazing destruction in the church of all places. Yeah, I'll show you vision. See, the issue is not revelation, it's interpretation. Right? We have all these revelations from God and we run them through our paradigm. We run them through the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, and the ecosystem that we've grown up into. And that's how we interpret it. So what do we do with that, Pastor Jay? When you get revelation, I'm going to legitimize your revelation. But I'm going to ask you to take that revelation and submit it to God and submit your mindsets to God, your paradigms to God, your perspectives to God and say, maybe I'm not interpreting this the right way. God, I bring this revelation back to you. Help me to see it clearly. Help me to see this the way that you are seeing this. Help me to see it the exact way that you are saying this. Otherwise, I'm misrepresenting you. I'm misrepresenting you. And listen to this, guys. Misinterpretation of revelation is equally as destructive as no revelation at all. If not more. If not more. Do you know how many, do you know how many heinous things, Antioch? have been done in the name of God. Christy, Christy showed me something last night. It was one of the most disturbing things I think I've seen in a very long time. It was disgustingly disturbing. I'm trying to use greater language here to help you understand how atrocious what she saw on Facebook was. And what she saw was so reminiscent of the Christian Crusades. It was essentially saying America is a Christian nation and we need to destroy anybody and everybody that believes differently than us in the name of God. And I thought, I'm telling you, that is not Jesus. It doesn't matter how much you slap Jesus on it. It doesn't matter how much you talk gospel or put God on it. Guys, the KKK did everything in the name of God and it was wrong. It was sin. It was atrocious, right? So be careful. Be careful when you start slapping God's name on stuff, assuming that you're interpreting it rightly. Why? Because we don't know what's inside of us. You think you know, but you don't. 
You don't. You do not know what's inside of you. And I don't know what's inside of me. And that should scare us. You want to talk about fear of the Lord, that should scare us. Isaiah's first response when he saw the vision of God in the Holy of Holies, you know what he said? He says, God, I'm an unclean man. And I have unclean lips. And I live among a people who are unclean. Like his first response was, God, in the presence of your holiness, there is something that you're able to see in me that I cannot see in myself. And I need you to take fire and touch me and burn it out. Burn out inside of me what I don't even know is inside of me. Because it's so deep. It's so invisible. It's so toxic. It's like breathing carbon monoxide. It's like breathing invisible, toxic, poisonous gas. Guys, I want you to think about this. How could it not be? How could it not be when the people that were discipled by, on either side of the coin politically, when the people that were discipled by, whether it's comedians or actors or athletes or Twitter or you name it, the people that are forming our Christianity, do you think that 30 minutes of preaching the word has any way of competing with listening to Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck four and five hours a day every day? It's impossible. It's impossible. This stuff is so deep inside of us. So deep inside of us, you guys. We don't even know it's there. And this is where, like, the only proper, the only appropriate response is, God, would you have mercy on me and shine the light of truth and revelation because he's going to do it in such a gracious way. He might put you in a trance. He might show you visions. He might send you on a 48-hour journey where you just think about that vision over and over and over again until he brings truth. All right, let me break some points down. Okay, number one, I said it's not about our gifts. Gifts are not synonymous with spiritual maturity. Number two, God will use other people to bring you into truth. I want you to think about this. God used one of them. God used one of them. God used somebody from the other side of the tracks. God used somebody from a different walk of life. God used Peter's enemy. He used a Gentile. You know how I know this whole thing is about grace? Because there was nothing that Peter did to initiate God bringing that revelation to him. God started this process by showing up to Cornelius first. What does that do to you? What does that say to you? What does that say to you guys? Think about this. I think every single one of us needs somebody who is utterly unlike us and from a different station of life to bring us truth in a manner that humbles us utterly and completely till it changes us. God shows up to Cornelius and Cornelius sends the call to Peter. Didn't start with Peter. God will use even your enemies to speak to you if you're willing to hear. Number three, we have to position ourselves to receive. Now, one of the beautiful things that can be said about Peter is that Peter honored the time of prayer and the day of prayer every day. And I believe it positioned him into a place where he could have that trance. This is why spiritual disciplines are so important. That's why carving out time for God to speak to us is so important. But guys, listen, it's not just about having that revelation. We've got to respond to it. Peter could have easily, Peter could have easily by his own cultural barrier said, guys, I'm not going with you. But Peter said, yes. Peter responded. And friends, let me tell you, man, if you want to grow up in the Christian faith, man, let God say hard things to you from any vessel that he wants to. From any vessel he wants to. Do you know why this is so important? This is a lifelong journey. Here's why it's so important. Go to Galatians chapter two with me. Galatians chapter two. Guys, we have to be careful. My last point is we have to be careful when we think that we know. 
It doesn't matter what it is. Man, handle knowledge and handle your awareness of what's inside of you with such humility and such fear of the Lord. Be careful when you think that you know. Because the moment you say, oh, that's not me, it's you right now. You're doing it right now. Dude, you're doing it right now. The moment you assume that it's not you, you're probably a guilty party. Just assume that. And here's how I know this. Look at this, Galatians chapter 2. So after the encounter with Cornelius and Gentile believers are getting saved and Paul is discipling them. So this is after Paul gets converted, right? And then he goes and he explains his journey. He explains his process. Paul gets saved. He used to be Saul. He used to be a religious Pharisee. He encounters Jesus. He goes into a time of solitude for 14 years. And after this, Peter begins showing up. And Peter's have the revelation, so Peter's not having dinner with those guys. It's great, Peter. It's awesome. We're making strides. Peter's got homies, right? Peter's eating with the Gentiles. And then what happens? Let me show you how deep this is, you guys. Years after the Cornelius incident, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, when Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul, I opposed him to his face. I love Paul. Y'all, 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 y'all think y'all got it bad with Pastor Jade. You just need to be glad you don't have Paul up in this house. Uh, He'd be confronting first service, not you guys. Okay, I confronted him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. So Peter's having lunch. He's having meals with the Gentiles. Why? Because he's got revelation. And that he's, he's responded to that revelation. Now he's like, I'm getting that racism out of me. I'm getting that xenophobia out of me. I'm getting that classism out of me. And so now I'm going I'm to enter into fellowship with you guys. Watch what happens right here. But when they arrived, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. Do you see this? Do you see this? Do you see how sneaky and insidious this stuff is inside of us? Even after revelation, even after obedience, even after response, there's still the seed of this inside of him, so much so that when, you know, when the, when, when the old school crew shows up, Peter's pulling back and going, I don't need with those guys. I don't know those guys. I don't know them. Now think about it if you're those guys. Think about it if you're those guys. Yo, Peter, man, I'll see you at lunch today. Oh, I got, I got something going on. Huh? You coming to the house? You coming to the crib? Uh, I can't. And then they find out the delegation, right? The Jewish party's coming. And Peter's just bold-faced lying up in this. He's just bold-faced lying. Why? Fear of man. Why? Because that stuff is still deep inside of him. But you know what, you guys? Here's the good news. That even that stuff is inside of Peter, it's inside of you, it's inside of me. The inconsistency, the fear of man, the unawareness, the ignorance, the pride, all that stuff is in us. I think, honestly, we just, what do we do with a story like this? We go, I'm Peter. I'm Peter. That's me. I'm Peter. And here's the beautiful thing. That God never casts Peter away. Isn't that amazing? Like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are like, guys, is this all we got? <laughs> Let's go save the religious Pharisee who's killing people. He's going to do a better job than Peter. <laughs> no, man, that's not how it rolled down. 
Like he's like, Peter, it's okay, man. Keep being faithful to what you know. Keep staying close to me. Keep responding to the revelation I give you. And I'm gonna help you. One of the beautiful things I think about Galatians chapter two is if Peter were not grafted into a local body, if if Peter didn't have authentic relationship with people who could say hard things to him, if Peter didn't have a relationship with someone who was utterly unlike him, do you think he would have ever heard later in the later stages of his life, after he's successful, after nobody can tell the lead apostle anything, now he's got somebody to say, Peter, you're wrong. You're wrong. Every single one of us needs to be at a local fellowship of people that can look us dead in the eye and call us out in public if need be and oppose us to our face. That is the beauty of the local church. That is the beauty of investing into real relationships with people that we can trust. That is the beauty of having people that are utterly unlike us. And I believe that Paul was a gift in Peter's life in the latter stages of a successful ministry. Peter, or God never gave up on Peter. And he's never going to give up on us either. And that's the beautiful thing about this table, you guys. Jonathan, if you would, when we come to this table, we come saying, God, we are sinners in need of grace. We come to this table recognizing that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We come to this table recognizing that we were born and conceived into sin, like the psalmist said. But we desire truth in the inward parts. We come to this table and saying, God, if it were not for your grace and your mercy, we could not see and we could not see light, and we could not see truth, and we would continue living in our own echo chamber, hurting the people that are around us. But we have good news. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of grace, and the invitation is to all of us. And today, I'm just, I just wanna just, just hear for a minute, in this holy place, you guys, on the first service back, I want us to just pause and say, God, would you search me? Would you search me if there's anything inside of me that's false, if there's anything inside of me where I've operated in presumption or pride or arrogance or ignorance. God, if there's things deep inside of me that I've been ignoring or assuming were not there, if there are things inside of me that are hurting the people around me because they're so deep in me, I'm asking by your spirit to show me and by grace to lead me out and help me to engage with the process of transformation and change. Holy Spirit, speak to us today, I pray. And not just today, but every day. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.